Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Hi, church. How you doing? Good. I'm excited to be here. I hope you're excited to hear from the Word. Um, I um, was at Life Church West this morning, and so. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to bring it to limb. Um, so we are continuing our series, What Three Words? What Three Words? And I just, we're kind of, we've been in it for a few weeks, so I just want to give us a reminder of why we're using what three words, like where that comes from. Um, we, we spoke about it at the beginning, but What Three Words is a website, and it's an app, and it is designed to segment the earth essentially into blocks, into spaces, and then they give those spaces an identifier of three random words. So it's actually really beneficial for people in need who don't know exactly where they are, maybe they don't know the address. It's kind of like specific coordinates. So they can reach out to emergency services and say, uh, this is where I am, and we'll look at a few in a second. Um, but I think that it's really great that we are using three words because we find ourselves in spaces and we are in a need, and we need to know what we have in Jesus. And so every single week, I hope that you take that an analogy and just go, "Oh yeah, these three words. This is where I am right now." And um, so Lucas asked me to go on our website. I'm the editor for the website. And he asked me to go on there and add the what three words coordinates for all of our five locations. So I'm going to put them up on the screen, or my husband will. And um, these are not in any particular order, but these are our five locations. So take a little second and see if you can kind of maybe identify which is which. I don't know if you can. Um, they're very random, guys. They're very, very random. I'm not going to let you ponder more. I'm going to tell you. The first one, redeeming fits into his limb. And then we've got West. And then we've got CB. Then we've got Latchford. And then we've got Orford. So I am... Um, when I was finding them, I kind of clicked on the squares around to find, like, the best one. So it might not be, like, right outside. It might be to the left or to the right. But these are the best ones. Um, and these are, if you, if you go and you type this in, you'll find our churches. Um, but we're not talking about these because these are random. I wish that we could, like, claim a square, like, on our front doorstep. It's like, Dell Lindsay Deller welcome. Um, but we can't do that. It's very random. But the words that we've chosen are not random. They're, they mean something. And today those words are in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Where have we heard this phrase before? It is quite a familiar phrase in like Christian contexts, growing up as a Christian. This is discussion time, interactive time. Where are you most familiar with either in Jesus' name or in the name of Jesus? Where have you heard that? Prayer. Where else? Anywhere else? 
Worship, worship songs. So many worship songs with this in it. Um, there are a couple ways that I remember and I think about. It can be quite churchy, and we can just hear it and go, oh, yeah, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Prayer is one of them. When we pray, typically we end in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus' name, amen. Another one is if you are hearing, if you're praying for someone or you're hearing someone get prayed for, you know it's getting real serious and real deep and kind of, we are going into some warfare when you hear someone go, in the name of Jesus, and they go, I command, or I rebuke, I mean, you can, you can follow that up, in the name of Jesus, and, and it is, they are serious, this is going to happen. And then, like our, our suggestion, there are several songs about the name of Jesus. There are songs, worship songs, that not only speak about worshiping Jesus, but specifically the name of Jesus. And I want to look at some of those lyrics today, and it's on purpose. I'm not just putting random lyrics on. I want us to kind of take what we know about this phrase and kind of become more sensitive to what it means. So in order to do that, I want, there's some people who have written songs, and, and we're going to see some scripture in a second, that have really articulated the beauty of the name. And so I want to think about that, and hopefully you'll get one of these songs stuck in your head, and then it'll be on repeat and a little play. So the first one is, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind, because I know there's peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. If you feel compelled to do some karaoke, you are very welcome. Um, the next one, Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, and it continues. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. What a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. And this last one, it's probably my favorite. It's like you get to march on. I'll hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem, and crown him Lord of all. And I say these lyrics because I want to paint a picture that even though they're all mentioning the name of Jesus, they're coming from very different perspectives, and very, the author is, is using different characteristics of the name of Jesus to illustrate something. Some speak about his authority, highest, highest name of all names. Some speak about the power in the name, what happens when there's power in the name. And some recognize that there is so much beauty in the person of Jesus, therefore his name is beautiful as well. And it's from an intimate place of knowing him that we can say that his name is beautiful. So I want to spend some time um, tonight moving past this kind of phrase that we might hear quite often. It could be quite churchy. And I want us, like again, to become very, very aware of when we say or when we hear in Jesus' name what that really means. And to be reminded of that when we use the name, what we are actually saying. 
So the first thing I want to speak about is Jesus' name has holy authority. Holy authority. And those are some big words. I want to look at definitions because I like to start with that. So the definition of holy is worthy of complete devotion and trust, set apart to God, respected as sacred. And authority means the legitimate power or right to give orders or make decisions. Jesus' name has holy authority. Excuse me. Scripture also paints a picture. We looked at the lyrics. Scripture also speaks about this holy authority. And I am going to read you these scriptures again for you to just kind of meditate on them before we move forward. I want you to be thinking about, wow, what does this mean? And there's going to be one that comes on the screen, but the rest I'm just going to read. Psalm 29:2, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Matthew 6, 9 in the Lord's Prayer says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, or may your name be kept holy. John 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning of all time was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Philippians 2, it'll be on the screen, 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We get it. This is big stuff. His name is holy because he is holy. And these scriptures are not only in the New Testament, but they're in the Old Testament. Because I think there's a consistency that we see the name of the Lord, and he passes it down to his son, Jesus. And there is this consistency of authority here. In Luke 10, we read that Jesus, like I said, passes the authority given to him by his father to his disciples, and he gives it to us as well. The king of the universe gives his authority to those who put their trust in him. And to grasp this concept a little more, I, I, I like visuals. I like to kind of think of something, to like see something and think of something to kind of get it a little bit more. And so this is a picture of an ancient royal seal from Assyria. And back in the day, they had these clay and gold seals. And this was important because if you had it and you were in possession of it, it meant the king trusted you and you had full authorization from him. The king would give it to an official in order to delegate his power while he remained on the throne. However, it was clear that whoever used the seal was acting not on his own personal authority, but the, uh, the authority solely from the king. There was no power in the messenger themselves. And these seals were seen in the Bible in Genesis and Exodus. I'm sorry, Genesis, Daniel, Esther, and Haggai. We see these either seals or signet rings. And so we think about this, and we think about Jesus giving his authority, and we bear his name in all we do. 
And it is not in our own power. It is in only Jesus. And to remember that, and we're going to talk about that throughout this, is that it's quite empowering and it's also quite humbling because we carry him with us, but it's not us. And we need to remember this. Similar to what we know is like the power of attorney, when one person represents another person in their absence, Jesus is on the throne. He was once here on earth. He's not here physically on earth, but we are. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have his authority to bring forth his kingdom. So to pray in his name is to ask by his authority, and to ask by his authority is to ask in accordance to his will revealed in the word. And we will also speak about when we're asking in his name, we need to know him to know his will because we can't just ask for anything in his name. We need to ask according to who he is and what's in his heart. And so when we do this, something really incredible happens. We see power come through. And so the next element and characteristic is Jesus' name brings power. Paul writes to the Romans and really beautifully articulates how Jesus came to fulfill this purpose and possess the ultimate authority and power through his death and resurrection. So this is, a, this is quite wordy, but I will break it down, I promise. But I think it's worth reading the whole thing. So Romans 1, 1 through 6. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Oh, there's a lot there. There is a lot there. And it's good, and I've highlighted the bits that I feel like are important for what we're talking about today, but I've also made a diagram. Diagrams are great as well. So here's a diagram. And what I want us to understand is God the Father exalted and gave authority to Jesus Christ, his son. Jesus Christ died and rose again, defeating death and sin and lots of other stuff, and is now declared the son of God in power. Jesus chooses to give us his grace and his authority, but it goes all the way back up in full circle for the sake of his glory and his name. It is a circle that goes up, and he does not give us these gifts for our own sake. He gives it for his sake. This flowchart doesn't just stop, and it shouldn't just stop coming down. We return the glory back up. And when we think about that, when we are using his name, it keeps us in check, really, because it keeps us in a humble place. What are we doing this for? What are we worshiping his name for? What are we saying his name for? How are we using his name when we're praying for others? Is it for ourselves and our purposes, or is it for his glory? And throughout the um, New Testament, we see these accounts in the Bible of these followers of Jesus who are grasping this concept for the very first time. 
and they're praying in his name, and they're seeing results that are incredibly powerful, like supernatural, they're actually quite shocked <laughs> that things are happening. You see Jesus, like, send out, like, the 72, and they come back to him, and they report, and they go, Jesus, the demons submitted to your name. What? And they're quite shocked, and Jesus is probably quite gracious and going, yes, yes, that's happening, yes. Um, and when you think about it, too, it was happening. These things were happening when Jesus was still present on earth. And I view it as like, let's say you're taking a course, and there's like a lab component where you go and you like practice. He's teaching them while he's there to encourage them. And then when he's gone, and he's resurrected and he's ascended, these disciples go, well, I know this is true. I know that this is real. I know that his name has power because he's shown me himself, and I get to now go out and act on it. We can't go into all the different ways and all the different instances that we see the, this power happen in the New Testament, but I can group them into some categories to get an idea of what was happening when this was first being unveiled. Um, Demons are subject to and cast out in the name of Jesus. They, like I said, they noticed that. People are being healed in their bodies by the name of Jesus. These are acts of power that were happening. Salvation is found only in the name of Jesus. And I know that I have these references here, but I do want to read Acts 4.12 because it's really, really striking to me. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We can see that there's power and maybe like demons being cast out or people being healed. But guys, we're saved. That's powerful. That's a miracle. That's something to be in awe about. And we also see that people are baptized in the name of Jesus. And we'll get to see that next week. So Jesus instructs his disciples to pray in his name because his name is power, and it can seem a bit too good to be true sometimes. Like, hmm, okay, Jesus' name, powerful things happen. I get it. And we can kind of start to use it in a way where we start to forget maybe his authority, being in awe. Like, how can we keep ourselves using his name in a way that is what he designed it to be? How can we keep ourselves? So I want to take a little bit of a side step, and I want to speak about remembering number three. Number three. Number three, the third commandment of the Ten Commandments, and that is, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Now, when I think of name in vain, I'm a church girl. Like, okay, we're not going to swear. We're not going to curse. I'm not going to say God's name. And when I did, my parents were quick to go, no, 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 no. We don't do that. Um, and that is true. We want to watch what we say. We want to watch how we use God's name. And we want to watch how we make promises and oaths and things like that. And that is absolutely true. But there's more, I think. There's more, especially when we're, when we're talking about in Jesus' name. And I know a lot of this is kind of... Um, you're going to apply it to when you're praying for people or you're praying for yourself. I think it's even when you're worshiping. Um, and so what does it mean to take the name of God in vain? Well, vain can mean empty, nothing, worthless, to no good purpose. 
So we're forbidden from taking the name of God in a manner that's wicked or worthless or for wrong purposes, and that can include our own purposes. We have to be careful. Wrong purposes can be our own purposes. Here is a meme, right? Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it and make it good for my body. Amen. Amen. Well, this food has got probably like 4,000 calories in it in one go, and maybe the Lord's going, ah, I don't know. I mean, thanks for praying, but... And I come from a family who said grace before every meal, and I guarantee you we were victim to this. I guarantee you we were like, bless this food to our bodies in Jesus' name. And Del and I are like, we need to start thinking about how we pray for our food. Lord, thank you for your provision, full stop. <laughs> we're, not gonna, we're not even going to claim nutrition for this food. Um, but it's as, as if these three words would cover any choice we make, good or bad. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. If someone prays and I don't hear them say in Jesus' name, amen, I go, mm, who are we praying to? Come on. And it's like this kind of superstition thing, like, we just got to make sure we're praying in Jesus' name because we got to make sure we got to make sure we're doing the right thing. And I think using His name is good, and we need to do that. But we need to be careful we don't misuse it. And we are using His name on a, a case by case basis. I think it should be this filter where we go: What am I praying for? Is it in the will of God? Is it in the heart of God? Is it a good thing? So to speak the Lord's name, unless instructed to do so is to summon God in support of our own purposes. Our own purposes. The name of Jesus isn't a magic wand. It's not a Jedi force trick. It's not a secret open sesame code. But it's easy to believe that and want that because we as people like formulas. We like formulas. God wants to consistently break us of our perceived formulas because formulas enable distance between us and God. And they tempt us to want to become our own God. We want to view his name as holy and use it to bring forth his kingdom through an intimate relationship by knowing Jesus. And when we do that, we shatter the formula. Here is a quote there is no magical power in the name of Jesus. There is only power in Jesus Christ himself. And this might seem at first, I'm going to let it kind of sink in a bit. This might seem like, hmm, there is power. We just saw those lyrics. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power. But what I'm trying to illustrate is that we cannot separate his name from who he is. And this is me wanting to be an anti-formula here and wanting to take us away from being numb to this and just using it as just something that we say. Because the name of Jesus is the name of a person. We have to think about when we know, I know Gabby's name because I know her. Del's name, I know him. There's power in Jesus because of his authority, because of who he is, and therefore it's in his name. Paul writes this instruction to the church in Colossians. 
3.17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I hope that we remember this. In action or in what we say, are we doing it in the name of Jesus? Are we doing it in the name of Jesus? This is our WWJD, like, what would Jesus do? Then I will do it, and I will do it in his name. I know him, and I know his will. However, to protect ourselves and to put forth another filter before we do these things, I think this command and this, this instruction needs to be paired with when we use the name of Jesus, it should also be filtered and checked simultaneously with the condition of our heart. What is the condition of our heart? My friend Ian Simpkins posted this on Instagram. Doing something in the name of Jesus doesn't mean it's done with the love of Jesus. Never do for God without doing with God. We can be quite religious, and we can think, this is all talking about kind of pitfalls. We can think, well, we're doing it for a good thing, but are we doing it separate from the heart of God? Are we spending time with Jesus? Are we knowing what's in his essence? Or are we just saying, signed up for duty, doing it for you, I hope you're happy, and that's a good thing, but we can go further, we can do more, and we can really absorb his love, and then outflow comes from that. So the best way to avoid the pitfalls of our own missions, kingdoms, and agendas is by knowing Jesus personally through relationship, and that is our final point. Jesus' name is known through relationship. Del and I, um, most of you probably know, some of you may not know, news, we are going to have a baby. We are going to have a little... <laughs> Adam's shocked. Del's shocked. <laughs> We're going to have a, a girl, and we're really excited. And I was thinking about, okay, when this little girl gets a little bit older, I can imagine her coming, this is going to happen, I can imagine her coming up to me and going, Daddy said I could get some ice cream. I'm like, oh, did he? Submit his ring, daughter. Submit his signet ring. Let me see if this is really true. I will know that it's from her daddy if it goes something like this. Daddy said I could get some ice cream if he can get some too. <laughs> totally, totally. He would totally send her to me to say that. And I say that because this request now has power not only because she carried his authority but because the request was something he would say. I know his character through relationship with him, and therefore, the authority and the power comes through. So authority brings power, but only through relationship. Only through relationship. John 14, 13 to 14 says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. And this is coming from Jesus. That the Father may be glorified in the Son, like we said. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is a wonderful promise. Wonderful promise. And we do not take this lightly. It can be like this golden ticket, almost like, whoa, whoa, anything? Whoa. But what I noticed before and after this verse 
where it's like sandwiched between two quite relational verses. And I think that it's important to zoom out for two seconds and look at the context, because I really do think that it illustrates what we're talking about here. If we go a few verses back, from 9 to 10, Jesus says, and he's speaking with Philip, and he's responding to Philip. And he goes, Have I been with you so long that you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. And then verse 15 right after says, Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so relationally, we see that Jesus has a relationship with the Father, yes, but he's also saying to his disciples, if you knew me, you'd know where this authority comes from, where this power comes from, and you would believe. And also, if you love me, you'll obey me. And I think that when we, he knows we'll obey him, is when he'll grant us things in the name of Jesus. He wants to trust us. You know, we've heard we'll be faithful with a little and then we'll be faithful, he'll trust us with much, you know. And I do think that that is not only a test of like our faithfulness, but it's a test of how close we get to him and how much we are being intimate with him. Um, so yeah, the disciples and the followers of Jesus' early days, they walked with him, they learned from him, they knew what mattered to him, and they decided to carry on that work. They could pray the will of God because they saw Jesus first pray the will of God. Jesus was not a magic code to them. He was a person who carried authority and power. And Jesus graciously imparted that same authority and power to them, and he does it to us as well. But a reminder is the treasure found in his name are not the gifts he gives us, but just the fact of knowing him and being close to him and being called his. The gifts are just icing on the cake, really. It's a beautiful promise, and we have that promise, and we can lean on that. But first, our first treasure is our relationship with Jesus. I want to go back to what three words. This is an ad that they put out, and you can kind of see visually that this car is in the middle of nowhere in Colorado. So if they were in a time of need, they could identify themselves as dinosaurs, oatmeal, refills. Refills are so great, guys. You don't... Americans have refills. Every time I go... I'm really, this is not about what I was going to say, but I just want another Coke, guys. Anyways, America has refills. Um, but what this is best used for are in times of need. And I said that at the beginning. Wherever we find ourselves, whether emotionally, spiritually, physically, we're in our box space. And maybe we're feeling like we're in a time of need for ourselves, or maybe someone that we know is in a time of need. I want us to remember that our words are not dinosaurs, oatmeal, refills. Our words are, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Those three words are important. They have authority. They have power. 
but it's because we are speaking of a person. Jesus is beautiful. He is the Son of God, but it is not a name just to say a name. It is we are talking about someone we love, and there's a lot that comes with that. So before we use his name, we must find awe in his name, revere his name. He is the king of all kings. We will sit in the stillness of what that means of his holiness, and we must understand what his name requires of us, realizing we have no power in ourselves. We know the fullness of his name by truly knowing the person of Jesus, and we know him by spending time with him, studying his word, which is the Bible. Then we will understand his heart, and it is our job to then act in obedience to the things he calls us to do. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.